going live. Okay. Blank period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you really feeling this. Gotta holla if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. Ayy, if you don't like it, then fuck it. Ayy, we gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. Ayy, if you don't like it, then fuck it. Ayy, we gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money? You bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we live in. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling? Peace, 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 everyone. Oh, wait, I got. <laughs> peace, 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 everyone. This is a surprise uh, live here. Um, I'm going to catch you guys with a lot of different stuff real soon. Now that my Wi-Fi is working. And please, I'm sorry that uh, my hair is not all the way showing. I'm kind of mad about the choppiness right now. I do not know what's going on with my beautiful camera i think it's something wrong with the damn green screen but it's whatever we're going to continue on with great conversations and i want to introduce this guest and before i introduce this guest i want to talk about the very much importance of staying informed and listening to black and brown people and understanding exactly what their perspective is, especially when it comes to white supremacy and colonialization. I saw a meme that was very, very uh, incredible to me. I saw a meme of, of uh, what's happening right now in Palestine. I saw the meme of uh, this, this lady that was basically trying to figure out math and it said on top, when you see your black and native friends posting about free Palestine. And then you also see your white rich friends posting standing solidarity in Israel. And, and she has a very confused look. So I'm going to try to help you guys out with that confusion um, as much as I can on my platform 24 seven, we're going to keep talking about uh, the liberation of Palestine. We're going to keep talking about that just to let y'all know. We're going to keep talking about that. And hello, Miguel. <laughs> uh, Miguel, I'm starting to feel like that you're going to be one of my favorite uh, listeners because this is the second time that you have came out and, and showed some support when I went live. And I'm very, very cheesy on whether or not should I go live. So I really, really appreciate it. Hell yes. Hell yes. Free Palestine. Thank you so much, Miguel. So speaking of Palestine, um, I have a very special guest. This person has been very, very influential in my life, and I haven't seen them in like three years. Um, you saw them once on the show before when I first started. So without further ado, <laughs> surprise, my homie is back. Please introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Um, my name is Mixiafa. I go with they, them, pro uh, they, she pronouns. Um, it's kind of always hard to, to, to introduce myself. Uh, so I'm a trans queer, uh, Muslim Palestinian, um, 
I'm a writer, I'm a poet, um, I do some stand-up comedy, um, I'm the executive director of the Muslim Alliance for Sexual and Gender Diversity, uh, which is a, a queer and trans um, Muslim org. We work directly with queer and trans Muslims, uh, kind of worldwide, but predominantly in the United States. Uh, we're an entirely global majority uh, trans Muslim team, which is kind of really exciting. Uh, especially with everything kind of going on uh, with the anti-trans bullshit and anti-queer bullshit that's kind of happening and that um, is just going to be uh, getting worse and worse next year, unfortunately. And so, uh, yeah, excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you back on the show, Yafa. Um, I have so, there's so much that we can talk about. You know, before we started <laughs> recording, I literally said that, like, we can literally talk about anything because there's just so much that we can talk about. Um, I had Dr. I had Dr. Um, David J. Johns on yesterday. Uh, shouts out to Dr. David J. Johns, um, who is a black um, queer advocate. You see him all over social media, getting the people faces, advocating for trans people, centering trans people, um, bringing trans people onto the shows, educating people 24 seven. And in one question I asked him before, uh, during our time was how can we combat this rhetoric, this, this, this facetious rhetoric of just straight up, um, just, it's like Nazi, honestly, it's just, it's white supremacist. It's, it's so hateful rhetoric of attacking the trans community, especially using children as a, as a pawn, as a pawn. And, and they're saying inaccurate seeds about what's happening with, uh, gender confirming care. Um, they're saying they're using all these barb. I don't even want to say what we know, what they say, we hear it. And it's so inaccurate. It goes against every single thing that the medical health uh, officials have already said goes on. I, so I think, I think that's the best, the best way. <laughs> I would love to hear your answer because you are you are fans and this is your community. I am just a pansexual guy. I, I am a part of the LGBTQ community, but I do not understand. I, this is my sexuality compared to identity. And those are two different things. There's are two different things, dude. When it comes to gender and it comes to sexuality, there's are two different things. So I hate when people try to speak for trans people that are not trans. <laughs> so, so out of that <laughs> loaded question to start off with. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. So I have two different answers, one for non-trans people and then one for trans people. So for trans people... Uh, for non-trans people, let's start there. I will say really get educated around what is transness and how has transness just shown up throughout time and history. I find that oftentimes a lot of people will try to defend trans folks, but they'll ultimately be upholding the same narratives um, that are inherently transphobic, right? And, uh, and so really understanding uh, kind of the history of trans kids in general, right? And trans folks um throughout time like trans people are not new trans kids are not new we've always been here <laughs> from the very beginning of time transness has always existed uh but that's not the common narrative right and even when people try uh to stand up for trans folks oftentimes they they'll kind of make transness feel or seem as if it's like this modernity thing right of like this consequence of civilization and that because we're a civilized society or whatever we should right. do better 
right? Versus the reality of like, no, trans people have always been here. Like we've been cool. <laughs> and it's right. actually only been the last few hundred years, right? Where, uh, where specifically the medical system has tried kind of forcing more of this biological sex model, right? Which is a very simplified version, right? Of actually looking at sexual characteristics that individuals are born with that is way more diverse than anything that they'll talk about. And so even now they're still talking about it as like biological sex versus like transness and things like that. And it's like, no, like biological sex never actually made sense. It never actually fit. Um, but you just need to really get educated around those topics. And so a book that I usually recommend to individuals um, that actually specifically talks about uh, blackness and transness, um, it's called Black on Both Sides uh, by C. Riley Snorton. Um, and there's a few other books that I would highly recommend uh, as well. So like History of the Trans Child. Um, there, there's a ton of amazing literature out there that really highlight more of the historical perspective of transness and how that's intersected uh, with different forms of oppression. And in particular, in the last few hundred years, how that's changed. Um, and then in terms of like the context of like this conversation in the world that we're in, in 2023, right? And watching the like right wing really pushing it for additional anti-trans um, legislation, right? And, and the narrative out there is like even a year ago, right? Like has kind of shifted and we're seeing that. And unfortunately that's just something that's a consequence to election seasons, right? Of um, trans people are like a, a really easy target for a lot of individuals who don't ever want to be held accountable for any of the disasters that are all around us, right? So instead of talking about the climate disaster and catastrophe that's existing around us, instead of talking about all of the other forms of oppression that are existed, just everything is a mess, right? Like there's so much happening right now. Um, and it's so easy for them to fully deflect and just be like, well, trans people are coming after your kids, right? And that yeah. just completely divides communities and, um, especially within the role that I play at Meshid, um, within like uh, Muslim queer and trans organizing. Um, we've definitely over this past year have already seen that specific deflection be used to break up for, for, uh, marginalized groups from one another, um, right? So there's now a huge divide between more conservative Muslims and trans Muslims, where uh, just a few months ago, there was a large statement that was signed by unfortunately over 250 uh, prominent Muslim scholars from the country. Um, mm -hmm. that unfortunately, are across like multiple genders and racial divides and all of these different things that right. all came after us, right? And um, but we're seeing that across multiple communities. So it's not just Muslims that are dealing with this. It's going to be impacting every single community. And so thinking of even like Palestinian community, thinking of other indigenous communities, thinking of black folks, thinking of even queer populations, right? And how within just our own marginalized groups, we're going to be torn apart as we get closer and closer and closer to that election season. Um, and so I would love more people to pay attention to that. 
right? To do a bit more around that from now, because within a few months, it's going to, again, it's getting to get worse versus it's going to get better. Um, and so really being mindful of that, of checking in within your own community, seeing who's around, right? Making sure you're doing that education work, like from now, instead of waiting for things to get really, really bad. Um, and again, that's for the non-trans people. If trans people wanted to be a part of any of that, that's always wonderful. Um, right. But I try not putting that labor on trans folks directly, especially if you're a global majority trans person who's already marginalized in a lot of other ways. For trans folks, I say live your life. <laughs> <laughs> right like just do all the things <laughs> that make right. the most sense of like do you boo boo literally right because unfortunately in a lot of spaces so much of that labor is thrown at us of that we have to go now and educate cis folks right and get them to get their shit together and in right. my opinion i'm like no <laughs> if that's not something that feeds your soul that you want to be doing don't do it Right. And right. again, it depends on the trans person as well. Right. So if you're a white, rich trans person, that's a very different level of responsibility versus you're a black trans person. Um, right. Who is on disability or something like that. Right. Very different levels of privilege. So just being mindful of your own privilege, being mindful of where you want to step in. But honestly, live your life, like get that joy, get all the things. And because this isn't going to be over, unfortunately, in the next six months, it's not going to be over in the next year. It doesn't end with the next election. It, it potentially doesn't end with the one after that. I am a person who is constantly striving to build utopia. Um, and so I wholeheartedly believe a much better world is right around the corner. The corner. And also, um, I wholeheartedly also believe that, uh, that we are in this in the long run, whether it's we're building utopia and we're building things to live it, um, or it's going to take us a little while for us to be able uh, to build the things that we are worthy of. Mm, mm. I, I, I think that's so beautiful um, because especially on the top, on the part when you're messaging, like you literally broke it down for cis people to understand. It's very clear, simple. Let's first of all with that. And then, but I love the second part as well, too, when you talk about just live your life, trans folks, just live your life. Mm -hmm. Don't, it's not on you because it just seems that people always want to just hound somebody. I'm speaking from a black, from being black and queer. Like mm -hmm. people just want to hound you and ask you questions, disrespectful questions. First of all, they're not even respectful questions. <laughs> I just want to make sure that's clear for people to understand. They don't ask me. I don't get asked respectful questions unless I'm on like a, a panel or uh, or I'm a guest speaker or something like that. And in and, and, and reality, in the world, oh, my God, it's just just rudeness. And mm. I think and also a part of it um, with what you're saying with elections and everything, I think that. The, the right wing media is definitely capitalizing on on this rhetoric because this is something that they want to push. They are always trying to push out their agenda on social issues. That's why you see the idiot Rob uh, Ron DeSantis. He he's failing because he's put all he knows is social issues and and the way he governs the state is really not even that fucking well to begin with. Um, so. That's why he's failing, because <laughs> America doesn't really. When you look at how, what people are looking at right now, mm -hmm. a lot of people are focused on how are we going to pay our bills, and they're not giving that. No. They're not giving that. No. They're just saying, "Oh, it's this. It's the trans issue. Mm -hmm. It's the black issue." <laughs> exactly. And 
And to that point, I think also something that specifically cis folks could do, it pay us for this work, right? Y'all don't know what you're talking about, right? And so <laughs> there are so many amazing global majority trans speakers out there, right? Who run incredible trainings and workshops. Right. Within your institutions, get us thousands of dollars, literally like, I mean, I'm a speaker, right? I've spoken in front of over 150,000 people globally. Um, I don't mind getting paid to do that labor, but I will not mm -hmm. answer questions for free. I will not show up to your campus. Right. I will not show up to your church. I will not show up anywhere if there is no money being put down, mostly because I know you're not going to take it seriously otherwise. And also right. because we deserve money. And if you have money, you owe us that money for our labor. <laughs> Right. right. And, and I do have the privilege of like having been in that field for such a long time. I've been a public speaker for about 12, 13 years or so. I've spoken in front and you're of young. You're not even 30 yet. You're younger than me. <laughs> multiple lifetimes in those 31 years. Um, <laughs> out of survival, right? Out of necessity. But like, but because I've been doing it for so long and I've done it in front of literally thousands of people at a time. I, I also know how to go and be like, no, you need to pay trans people, um, right? Which is not really a skill set that most marginalized folks are taught, right? We're taught right. we're not allowed to ask for, for, for money. We're not allowed to say, hey, like what you're offering me is not enough money, right? right. I expect more zeros in there and not just zeros, <laughs> right. right? Like I expect more, not just for me, but for everybody else. Um, and, and so... I highly recommend that for individuals, right? So if you're trying to figure some of this out and your community doesn't actually know what it's talking about yet and you want that labor to happen, wonderful. Go and hire trans people, specifically hire global majority trans people at the margins of marginalization because we can do this work better than anybody else. Right. Um, and also that way you're directly benefiting the trans community because in the end of the day, any work that you do with like your family members and with your friends and with your community and all that kind of stuff. Ideally, I hold hope that people will get it and move forward and be great. And also right. they might not, <laughs> they might not get it this year. They might not get it for five years. They might not get it for 10 years in this way. At least you gave trans people some money, <laughs> which right. deserve more of. Yeah. I, I, and you know, you are very, very like, you're very, 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 strong on making sure that point is across i love that that's one thing i miss about you when whenever we like are having conversations or we're out when we were out in public and i was doing stuff for you before the um the, the life in my days which was like so awesome um i learned a lot um in the in those times um you were always like make sure you pay people for their work okay <laughs> <laughs> No one's no one should be doing anything for free. People should be getting paid. <laughs> like that that was such a good principle that you instilled in me. <laughs> it's, and, and I still try to do that. Like uh, like I, I feel like every organization I've been in, uh, I'll have like a no volunteer policy, which a lot of people hate. And they're like, why are you doing this? This is awful. We need to like to use volunteers. And I'm like, no, you really don't. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> you really don't just pay people, just pay people. And if they want to pay the money back, wonderful, great. They can donate it, but like pay people, mm -hmm. just pay everyone. Um, and unfortunately it's just not a thing that's like fully commonly out there. Right. But right. to me, it's like, 
I will not take any economic justice policy seriously if you're not paying everyone. And I'm incredibly anti-capitalistic, right? So this isn't yeah. about let's get people rich, right, within a capitalist right. system because that system shouldn't exist. We need to get rid of that yeah. entirely. And also people have bills to pay today, right? right. Like, until that system is gone and people don't have to worry about paying bills today. I'm like, no, no, pay everyone and pay people well too, right? Like right. what is this idea of like minimum wage and stuff? Like, no, right. <laughs> Why are right. you replicating the same systems that you're saying that you're against? Um, yeah. So I'm glad that I, I, that's very validating. I'm glad I've been doing it for years. <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, how, so how did you, how, so how did you start the, um, the Muslim group? Um, for, for the trans Muslim group. Um, so how, I, how did that start? So, so the, Muslim oh, you didn't start Alliance, Sorry. So the, the Muslim Alliance for Sexual and Gender Diversity, Masjid for short, has been around since 2011. And uh, okay. it was actually founded, I believe, in a convening in Georgia, where a group of uh, predominantly queer Muslims at the time uh, kind of came together and just wanted to have a space where um, they could actually meet and queer and trans Muslims from around the country could kind of come together uh, once a year. And so it started more as a retreat, uh, a yearly retreat that happens. Um, and the last time that they ran that style of retreat, I think it had over 150 people, um, which by itself is kind of like incredibly transformative for a lot of queer and trans Muslims, where for the most of, uh, for the majority of us, we've never really met other queer and trans Muslims, right? Of like, mm -hmm. and I wholeheartedly like, relate to that of like, I didn't really know queer and trans Muslims until about five years ago or so. And that was mm -hmm. like barely, right? And like the periphery where you know the one person or like the two people. Um, and so for people to kind of go to a place where there's 150 of you. That's amazing. Uh, and so that's what it was for a really long time. And then COVID happened. And so they shifted a lot of their programming to virtual programming. And that was when I started kind of being a part of Meshed more as a participant. And so um, with all the work that I that I get into, I like just being a participant first and foremost. Like for me, it's like if this isn't the space that I would want to be in, I don't want to be in any kind of leadership position or any kind of paid position um, within it. And so that was about 2020. And then last year, um, probably about a year and a half um, ago, um, it finally was like, okay, I'm actually in a place where I want to be doing more queer and trans Muslim organizing. Um, and so became a part of, uh, of Meshid um, and then became the part-time executive director, uh, kind of worked on more of the sustainment of it. We had never had staff before. Um, so I kind of uh, hired the first team. Um, we have nice. incredible staff. It just, it's such a beautiful team. Um, just incredible people. And it's, uh, yeah, so I've been a part of it for a little bit, bit more than a year. Uh, we're, uh, it, it's an entirely um, global majority trans-led Muslim org. Uh, so everyone um, that is uh, on staff is a, is a trans-Muslim, uh, kind of from all around the world. And, uh, but predominantly, uh, well, no, actually everyone is Black or displaced Indigenous, uh, which is also really wonderful. Uh, and yeah, so we host different spaces for... Uh, queer and trans Muslims. It's exclusively for queer and trans Muslims, but people get to define those in the ways that they need to for themselves. Um, and so we host just different belonging spaces, different skill sharing spaces, 
Uh, and then we're actually hoping to launch a few additional services for next year in anticipation for how bad things are going to get next year. So doing a lot more healing justice work next year, uh, specifically to be able to support the most impacted directly and immediately instead of having people wait for our programs. Um, nice. So we're really excited about those. And uh, so if you follow us either on social media or sign up for our newsletter on the website, the masgd.org, uh, you would be able to kind of get updates and, um, and support our work. Yeah, I'll make sure I definitely put that in the notes on the details so everyone can check that out. Um, and like, I like that's definitely something that is totally new for me to learn about. And we were talking about how you think that maybe that could be the first thing in the country, that type of organization like that. So, so there's a few organizations that are for queer and trans Muslims, um, mm -hmm. which is beautiful, and there's more coming up. and. Um, I think you probably remember a lot of the incubation work I used to do. And so um, within Meshed, we also support organizers and just different individuals who are like, I want to do this within my community. And so um, I also have the like the, the pleasure of working with a bunch of people who are launching new things, which is always really, really beautiful. I think the one thing that um, I'm not really sure if there is any other organization that's entirely like black and indigenous trans Muslim. So we're an entirely uh, trans-Muslim work. So all of our leadership is trans-Muslim. We do open the space for non-trans people as well, um, but especially with that shift to an entirely trans team, which just happened organically, to be honest. That's uh, amazing, though. Yeah. So we weren't even like really like thinking about it. We weren't like, we want to become a trans-only org. It just, one day we just like woke up and we were like, oh, wait, like, we're basically, we're a trans org. Okay, cute. Um, so <laughs> it, it is open to everyone else, but like with everywhere, whenever leadership is representative of a certain population, your community becomes representative of that. And so over the last year, year and a half, Meshed has really gone through a transformation where prior to, um, to me com coming on board and then, and then some of the other staff members, it was probably about like 50% white Muslim converts, uh, queer Muslim converts, another, um, uh, I would say probably 20% max of black folks, about 30% um, other um, POC folks, uh, and then probably 80% cis, if not more. And now those have fully shifted over. So now we're over 50% black folks, we're almost 80% trans folks, um, we're over 95% global majority. <laughs> um, and I say that because like we had a white person join a few months ago kind of thing. Like everyone is welcome who's, who identifies as queer or trans, um, queer or trans and Muslim. Um, but I, I think that happens organically whenever your leadership looks like a certain way or, and by leadership, I mean our entire team is leadership. We're a pretty small team. Um, it, your community automatically just becomes reflective of that, uh, which, uh, I know it's really hard for like white cis straight organizers to understand because they're like, why are black people not coming? Where are the Muslims? And it's like <laughs> Muslim in front of the room, the black people and the Muslims will come like the black Muslims right. will come here too. Like, right. <laughs> but right. we look at representation very, very seriously. <laughs> but if you have a white cis straight person in front of the room, like we're, I'm not, I'm not showing up. Like, <laughs> And that's not. And there's nothing to be feel bad about that. You know, it's like oh, I know. That's how it is. <laughs> and clearly, I'm very upfront about it. 
what that's what I loved about um uh, about about you because like when 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 I was doing like the little events for the nonprofit and stuff like that, you was like, "There's not enough black people here. We need to make sure that we are getting black people here. We need to make sure that we are censoring black voices. We need to make sure that we have black people here in these seats. How many black people's come? <laughs> like you were very very big on that. Very very. You was always big on making sure that you were serving the identity of the community that you that you were setting up shopping. And that's very, very important. <laughs> exactly. And I've always looked at it as like, if you build something for the most marginalized of the most marginalized of the most marginalized, right? So like the, the people who are the most marginalized within the marginalized groups themselves, then the space actually works for everyone else. When you don't do that, the space isn't right. actually there for the marginalized folks, the more marginalized folks. Um, yeah, and, and to me, it's like, and we, we literally just had this conversation at Meshit as well, where we were having a conversation in terms of what is our priority, right? Is our priority um, in terms of when it comes to things like anti-Blackness, when it comes to transphobia, when it comes to a lot of these things that are so rampant within communities, um, what is our priority in terms of getting people to get their shit together and stop being anti-Black and stop being transphobic and all of those things? Or is our priority just centering and investing in the most marginalized of those groups. Um, and for me, I feel like within my work, I've always tried to do the latter versus the, like my priority is never the problematic people. Like if you don't get it, you just don't get it. Like, it, and I'm not saying this isn't being judgmental to like people's journeys, right? Like I've been, right. I've had to work on a lot of different things, fully honor where people are at, and also there are so many resources for you if you're trying to get your shit together around anti-blackness and around transphobia and around all of those things. And there's very few that are just investing in black people, in trans people, in black trans people, in black trans Muslims. Um, okay. And so my priority is always to do that. So at Meshid, we actually just read, we just did our um, first retreat in five years, but we did kind mm -hmm. of a mini retreat since COVID is still very much a real thing. Um, and it just organically became an entirely black retreat. Uh, so black queer Muslim retreat with most people, um, probably like 80% were trans people within that space. So to me, I'm like, I want to do more of that, right? Where it's a fully right. free retreat to account for people's financial accessibility and things like that, where it wasn't even a apply for a scholarship, right? Additional labor if you're poor and more, right. uh, it's free, right? Like if right. you want to make dona a donation to the organization, you're welcome to, but no one's going to ask you to make a donation or to do it or looking at whether you did it or not. It just... So I would wholeheartedly rather that versus being like, let's work with the brown and white people who are really anti-black and get them to get their shit together, which is important right. work, but others are doing that. Um, right. And so my and, and you're, just, you're describing like the how how much of the biasness that's unchecked within these spaces, especially within yeah. nonprofit organizations that get mm -hmm. state money and all this stuff, all different aspects. Yeah. They don't notice that they're being biased yeah. until they get called out on it. And then they're either going to take it negative negatively or they're going to adjust. But yeah. majority of the time I see negative. <laughs> yeah. oh, most of the time. Yes. And then they'll hire <laughs> to come help them with anti-blackness or they'll hire the one like non-white person who will agree with them and be like, 
black people can also be racist. <laughs> Is that the conversation that we're having right now? <laughs> like, really? Like, okay, we like, all right. <laughs> if that's your only defense, then why are you doing this work if you still have biases? Mm -hmm. Like, that's just the first question <laughs> that I always ask. <laughs> just no, thank you. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just had to say no. something. <laughs> I so agree. Like, like yeah. this. Like, I so agree, and I love how you know, even with trans community, there's a lot of censoring as well, too, um, because we need a lot. I hit my wire. Sorry. <laughs> where, where where are you now? Are you uh, still overseas? Or are you in the United States? No. So I'm back in the United States. Uh, I'm on um, Ohlone land. Uh, so out in Oakland, California now, um, uh, which has been really nice. I've been here about a year or so um, after moving back from Ireland. And right. so, um, yeah, it's um, it's been it's been great being out here. Um, Oakland is uh, has for a really long time, right? Been um, it has been gentrified in a multitude of ways, and there's a lot of different community challenges, and um, it, so in a lot of ways, it kind of feels like home <laughs> uh, in in a lot of those ways, and uh, yeah, so. I'm back out here. Okay, awesome. You're always you're all over the place, you know. <laughs> just, which is, which just is great. Palestinian, like <laughs> right, right. Which is Where do we go? <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. That, that's a real that's a real thing. Um, I I wanted I wanted to ask you as well too. Um, from your time in Ireland, hmm. um, you were in Northern Ireland, right? Mm -hmm. In Belfast, yeah. What? what can you bring back to us americans to learn because they're occupied as well too by the damn british <laughs> what did you learn going over there to study um so northern ireland is really interesting because i think in most people's heads like there is no conflict there anymore and like there is no divide and and all of that and but it very much is still a very divided population because you have like the British settlers, right? And then you have like the Irish. Um, and uh, yeah, because it's still colonized, right? After over 500 years, right? Still colonized to this day. Uh, and I think the one thing that most people in what is called the United States do not understand is that the US feels a lot more like a conflict zone than most mm -hmm. conflict zones. <laughs> Mm. So even in a place where you literally like, like as a Palestinian, I had to be really conscious of where I go because Irish people love Palestine. The settlers do not because the Irish like us. And so, um, if, for example, it like West Belfast is more Irish. East Belfast is more of where uh, Protestant settlers would be. And so okay. going into East Belfast is something I have to be like really careful with right? Like it could be really bad if I'm wearing anything Palestine related, right? If, and most people don't really know anything Palestine related. Again, they hate us without really knowing why, <laughs> which is always fun when white people hate you for 
and they don't know why, just silly people. But anyways, um, but so it's very much still like in a conflict zone. And also though, in the US, you never get a break from everything, right? right. You don't get a break from the anti-blackness, from the xenophobia, from the ableism, from the anti-transness, uh, right? The trans, um, transphobia, queerphobia, all the things. You never get a break from it. There's nowhere really in the country where you could just go and have a break, right? You could be for short periods of time with a group that's like, like for example, for the retreat of like entirely no white, uh, like, and no, no brown people either. It was an entirely black space, right? For like, you could run away from society for a little bit, but you're always conscious of that. This isn't society. This isn't representative of everything else. Whereas over there and in a lot of the other places that I've lived in, I've lived in like nine different countries, you, you get a break, right? You're conscious of it at different times, but you're conscious of it for very specific reasons. You're not conscious of it because you're just opening up social media and you think it's going to be the end of the world. You're not conscious of it because you're walking into a grocery store, like any grocery store, anywhere, right? But it's always on your mind. You're not conscious of it because you're walking anywhere. And I feel like in this country, and Canada is very much the same way, same with like, like, uh, well, I've never been to Australia, but I would imagine it would be similar because they're all. Oh, settlers. I hear stories. <laughs> Such a mess over there, right? But because they're all settler colonial states, you, right. you don't you don't get that reprieve. You don't get a break, right? So there is no street that you're walking on that you're not conscious of all of the identities that make you who you are, and all of these systems that are coming at you. Um, and I wish that more people recognize that because I think if Americans understood that. Things here are actually trash. <laughs> Things are so bad, right? I think I, ideally that would get them to really rethink this idea of like American supremacy that they've built up in their heads, right? Of like that this is the way things are, that we are the ones who understand. And by we, I don't mean me. I don't have a U.S. citizenship, right? But like that they are the ones who understand shit, that they're the ones who know how to fix things, that they know how to do different things. And they really don't. Um, mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah. And, and and I wish that they were more open to, to actually learning from other groups that have been dealing with so much of, of these things. And so like, I even think about it in terms of like, not, not Americans as like white Americans, right? I don't necessarily engage with white Americans very much, which is really nice. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't really engage with white people almost at all uh, these days, which is very different than, you know, previous years. But even right. with, like other people who um, who are global majority, but who have a U.S. Uh, passport, um, a lot of them also still have this idea of that. Um, they still have that idea of that they know what's best. Right. And they know how to how to move around things. It, and even from each other, right? And so I'll give an example of that. So for example, right now with everything happening in Palestine, right? With like basically the genocidal movement, right? The continuation of that after all of these years, right? All of the bullshit that's happening. Um, but for example, right now we're going to see an immense pushback that's going to put 
visibly Palestinian folks, visibly Muslim folks, whether they're Muslim or not, does not matter. If you're perceived as Muslim, you're going to be a target, right? right. If you're pro-Palestinian, you're going to be a target and people are going to start coming after you if they haven't already. And I know of dozens of cases where people have been like, people have been coming after them. However, there's so much space for people to have conversations with people who have been visibly Muslim who are here after 9-11, right? Because we know what to do. We know right. how to move in a world that's constantly targeting you. Talk to trans global majority people. We know what it's like to be in this country where we're going to be a target. Um, and I, so I would love to see more things like that happen, but I think that requires folks who identify as American to really take a step back and just be like, actually, I don't know shit, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know anything because none of us do, right? Like, and I don't know anything doesn't actually mean that I literally know nothing about everything, but I don't know anything about everything. <laughs> I know some things, you know some things, everybody knows some things. And for us to be able to take that step back and be like, how have you been navigating this? Um, and I, I'll add another example to that of like, we, I also saw this with like early in, in the spring and early summer when there was the immense push for anti-trans legislation and a bunch mm -hmm. of white trans people were like, oh my God, secured, like, like we're going to be surveilled and this is awful. And I'm just like, and why are you not asking how to deal with this? Right. <laughs> like we have dealt with the surveillance, right? basically my entire, like most of my life, right? Like I was, 9-11 oh, yeah. happened and we were surveilled before 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. to do. And so for like white trans folks who are just brand new to this, where this is the first time where people are potentially coming after them, where the state is surveilling them for a multitude yep. of different pathways and different ways and, and things like that. We know, we know how to move <laughs> in the world and Unfortunately, even when you say that, so I've been in panels like around that time where it would be like a white trans person saying that. And then I would be like, and we know what to do. <laughs> like we've known what to do. And it's almost as if they don't hear it, <laughs> right? Because a lot of people want to be in that space of, because I don't know what to do. No one knows what to do. And so I can't ask anything, right? I can't learn from anyone because no one knows what to do. And literally like people are like, no, no, we know what to do. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah. like talk to yeah. black Muslim communities who have dealt with CVE, right? Like right. they know how to deal with surveillance better than right, anybody right. else, like around the world. And it seems like it's always new. Um, mm -hmm. It's always like new, especially with Trump, which really pisses me off. It just seems like it's new to, yeah. to them. Like this is, this is new <laughs> tyranny. And I'm just like thinking like, well, my black ancestors, my black family, we had to deal with many Trumps um, mm -hmm. in many different forms. Uh, Jim Crow, apartheid, um, the war on drugs, um, mm -hmm. COINTELPRO. Uh, we can name a lot of things. So and we had to find ways to survive. Um, and when I when I started this platform on on TikTok and I started going in on the Democratic Party, I go in on Republicans as well too. But when I start going in on the Democratic Party, it's it's always 
I'm a, this video is going to get banned off of YouTube, but whatever. <laughs> it's always going to be white saviorism, white liberals that come on and they're just like, oh, you just, well, mm -hmm. I hope you enjoy living in the Republican rule. My whole life was Republican rule. Half, half your Democrats <laughs> put in. <laughs> Started a crime bill that put majority of my people in prison, Native mm -hmm. Americans too. Mm -hmm. So it's like we already been dealing with the bullshit. So don't mm -hmm. scare me with your oh the fate of the world nonsense because of Trump. There's multiple Trumps. There's Trumps in blue. There's there's Trumps in purple, <laughs> green. All the so I, I totally <laughs> hear you on that. And and from a Palestinian perspective, I can only imagine what you, because it's like the devil, it's like a triple whammy. You first is they always assume all the Palestinians are Muslims. So then you got to deal with the Muslim aspect because Lord behold, they'll freak out if they hear about Palestinian Jews and Palestinian Christians. It's like they always got to be Muslim and they don't want to respect Islam. They want to just say, oh, they're radical Islamic terrorists. So mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's the first part. Second part, the trans. Mm -hmm. Third part, you're Muslim. <laughs> so three. Yeah. And what what happened during the Bush administration, which you were talking about? Mm -hmm. A lot of families disappeared. Like, you know, like it was really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And and white Americans don't see that. No. They don't. No. They don't understand apartheid. Yeah. They don't understand what manifest destiny really meant. Yeah. Um <laughs> And I think to an extent, like, I I want to give people as much grace as humanly possible. I right. love giving people grace. And also, though, when it comes to folks here, folks in Canada, folks in Australia, folks in settler colonial states, right, including like Israel, I think, which isn't a real place, but whatever. <laughs> but I think people also subconsciously slash consciously also know that one of these places being free <laughs> is going to have consequences to their lives. Like I yeah. think inherently people do know that the reason they have the privilege that they do is because they're taking that from other people. The reason they have the resources that they do is because they've stolen those resources from other people. And right. I'm not just necessarily talking about white folks, right? Like white settlers. Right. I'm talking about all settlers in all of those places because even now with everything happening in Palestine, you do have a lot of non-white people who are doing the exact same things, right? And and again, I want to give people grace. So if people don't know that and they're working on it, wonderful, beautiful, absolutely, fantastic, good for you. And also, <laughs> like, if people are trying to show up for Palestine, but they're not also completely changing how they're showing up as settlers in this country, right? in Canada, in Australia, in all of these settler states that should never have existed in the first place, then to me- well, forget that. This is still a settler state, the United States. <laughs> and to me, none of that matters, right? And so if you're assimilating with like, with settlerhood, right? With white supremacist settlerhood against the rest of us, to me, we're not in the same like arena. We're not here for the same thing. And I say that again, also unfortunately for other non-white people, right? For mm -hmm. queer people, for trans people, um, even like, um, well, I haven't seen like queer trans Muslims saying awful shit, but it's possible. <laughs> possible. <laughs> possible everywhere. But yeah, it's it like, I wish more people like 
recognize that because to me, I'm like, your standing with Palestine means nothing to me. If you're gentrifying mm -hmm. a neighborhood like Oakland, like right. a city like Oakland, right? If you're taking over Ohlone land and all the indigenous land, literally everywhere, like none of that means anything. Like it means nothing. Um, and unfortunately, like I think, I, I think people of color are a little bit more conscious of that compared to a lot of to white people, for example. But a lot are still not really conscious of it, especially when they have proximity to whiteness. Um, yes. Right when they're lighter skinned, and can you please describe what proximity to whiteness means? Because I've heard uh, non-white people try to argue that proximity to whiteness does not exist anymore. Um, so I just, just, just real quick, <laughs> I've, I've, I had an argument multiple times with this. <laughs> Why not anymore? <laughs> yeah, it's not anymore. That's the term. Like, it's like, but it's existed at some point, but not anymore. Right. <laughs> like right. this year, we've gotten rid of proximity to whiteness. <laughs> right. Is okay. Right. Um, <laughs> you very great. <laughs> So to me, proximity to whiteness, and it's not even just proximity to whiteness, it's proximity to cisness, it's proximity to any level of privilege, right? Yes. Uh, proximity to wealth, proximity to whatever. It's yes. basically, so every single human being is perceived in with, within our society, unfortunately, is perceived based on various identities. So when we walk down a street, we are going to be perceived as X, Y, and Z identities. It is going to happen. There is no person who's not going to be perceived as as anything, right? This is why mm -hmm. most trans people will be misgendered immediately, right? Because we gender people as soon as we see them. We racialize right. them as soon as we see them. We check in. We look at their ability as soon as we see them. All of those things grant us different privileges. Now, this isn't saying like... Because for years, also, like, people would talk about white passing and, and things like that. But it was always, like, lighter-skinned people deflecting <laughs> and trying to call darker-skinned people that they were white passing, right? Or people would use that to deflect from other areas that they were uncomfortable with. But for me, like, proximity to whiteness is – it's just a reality, right? So whenever – it's uh, when uh, when I lived in New England, for example, my skin was lighter-skinned, right? Uh, right? Mm -hmm. Like – even a little lighter than this. This I'm supposed to be darker than this because, but California sun is not enough for me. So I need to go somewhere warmer to like actually become my skin tone. However, mm -hmm. it, in a space where everyone else is darker skinned, I'm going to have lighter skin privilege, right? People are going to look at me as the lighter skinned person in that room, which automatically, automatically. access to things automatically. No one's even thinking right. about it automatically it will happen, right? When I have my hair tied, I don't have earrings and I'm wearing like a t-shirt and shorts, automatically people are going to assume I am a cis person, right? That gives me proximity to cisness. Now that's not saying that proximity to privilege is not harmful as well, right? Because like right. ultimately the, the greatest thing, the greatest privilege that you could ever have is belonging. Right, right. Which isn't really real in most spaces, right? So being accepted for everything that you are, and being seen as like closer to whiteness when you're not actually white, is like you're getting resource benefits, you're getting material benefits, but psychologically you're actually being harmed. Um, so there is harm there, but in terms of access to resources, you absolutely have access to resources. Like I speak with an American accent, right? I'm not a U.S. citizen, so I'm not supposed to speak without like a Palestinian accent, 
But the amount of spaces that I get access to because I talk as if I'm American, <laughs> right? Quote unquote, mm -hmm. that's undeniable. That's just a reality. <laughs> um, and so I find that especially with more and more proximity to privilege in whatever ways, it's almost, it becomes so alluring that we want to assemble with that. And so oftentimes people will assemble with things related to privilege versus with marginalization, which is why you have like rich Muslims, for example, whether they're brown or black or white, whatever they are, right? Oftentimes they'll assimilate with rich people. Right. They're not here for us, right? right. They're going to assemble with the rich people because they have that proximity, right? Because they were taught that because they have access to that, that they get to be better than everyone else now, right? And get to be a part of that protected class. Um, right. And that's like just Tony Khan from AEW. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people, unfortunately, right? Like, um, yeah. and so, yeah. So, so to me, that's what that proximity means, right? It's, it's just an undeniable access to resources from the larger systems that we're a part of. Um, and it's something that needs to be interrogated at all times mm -hmm. and we need yeah. to be conscious of it. Now there's a lot going on in the news cycle. Um, and it's to the point when you hear, when you first hear about a tragedy happening, the first 48 hours is always people always misinformation. I am seeing, mm -hmm. I am seeing a lot. And this, this goes into what you're, what, what you were just talking about. I'm mm -hmm. seeing a lot of, uh, reports that are, that are coming back. Of course, the mainstream is not going to report on it. Basically, say, saying that a lot of things that happened in Jerusalem, in, in um, Israel, when uh, Hamas attacked, um, a lot like beheadings and, and stuff like that. Uh, again, people, I apologize for the, the graphic content. Um, content warning. We're going to talk about some violence for real quick. Um, a lot of it, uh, the, the information is being rebuttal. They're saying that there's no proof. In, in fact, a Zionist uh, was the one that's, that leaked out saying that this happened when it really did not happen with children being attacked. Um, but we see children are being attacked all the time in Palestine. Children mm. are being attacked 24-7 and uh, unarmed adults, everything. And when you're talking about the proximity to whiteness, people automatically believe that Palestinians are more violent because we're because of being black and brown, literally. That's just we're we're so we're so used we're so used to thinking that brown people are more prone to violence, and 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 when we hear about the violence that that Zion the Zionists are doing, and notice I'm using the term Zionist people. I'm not saying all Jewish people, so don't give me that comment section nonsense. Um, when Zionists attack white European Zionists attack Palestinians, it is overlooked because white people are not seen as being as violent as black and brown people, just like Ukraine. Ukraine, everyone's all up in arms loving them, even though they got Nazi symbols and insignias all on their tanks. But they are respected and they are fully loved. People got flags out and they never even knew Ukraine existed. <laughs> so, and so I just wanted to give like that. That is that a good? I, I, like I want to make sure that I'm saying things correct in that interpretation because I just saw on the on the news just now that there are rebuttals of how violent it really was over there when 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 the attack happened. 
Yeah. I mean, first off, you should never listen to the Western media because <laughs> just for all the reasons. Um, I I have a, a lot of thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll start with, I think it's, it's always really important to remember that it was actually Israel that pushed for Muslims to be classified as terrorists, specifically pushing in the 70s and 80s to classify all Palestinians as terrorists, right, in their attempt to fully dehumanize us, right, and mm. have the world view us as terrorists. Mm. This is over 20 years prior to 9-11, right? So when the U.S. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. So when the U.S. adopted that definition of terrorism for all Muslims, it was actually what is colonized Palestine, right? Who specifically had been pushing for that for a long ass time. And so even like groups like Hamas and things like that, were not always mm -hmm. classified as a terrorist group. There was mobilization that did that, right? And those classifications don't actually mean anything, right? Because look who's classifying people, right? Yeah. But, but that, for me, that's really, really important to always remember right? Of that, this isn't new. This isn't a new narrative that um, what is considered Israel, right, is constantly, is pushing now. It's something that they have been pushing for a long ass time, right? And successfully so, right? And so that immediate connection between terrorism and Palestinians, that was done, right? They did that and they have been doing that for over 50 years at this point, right? To fully mm -hmm. dehumanize us and move uh, any kind of solidarity away from us. So I'll say that first. The The second thing is I've actually been seeing a lot more posts by individuals being like, oh, I don't actually condone killing of any civilians. That is bad all the time, but I am still pro-Palestine. Um, no. <laughs> Just no. Thank you. <laughs> no. Seriously. Just, just a lot of no's. So the reason for that, and I'll give people the benefit of the doubt, they don't actually really know what they're doing. But what they're actually doing by issuing statements like that is they're actually humanizing all resistance forms for indigenous people around the world. So what they're basically saying is you as a settler sitting at home, because you are a settler, right? You're in the United States. You're a settler in this country. You're not an indigenous native person here. If you were, we would not be like... You're wonderful. You can talk about whatever you want. That's cool. <laughs> but everyone else, you are a settler sitting here pretending as if you are making better decisions and that you know what it's actually like to be in a war zone. And what you're actually saying is that people who are using violence, right, to resist occupation, to fight back are people who don't have a conscience, that they yes. are people who want to kill civilians, that their target is to go and murder as many people as possible and spread pain as much as possible, which is dehumanizing and disrespectful, to be honest. Right. Like, how dare you? Who do you think right. you are to go and be like, oh, you're so awful because you, after all of these years, after over 75 years of occupation, after basically we're on the fourth generation of people, right, within mm -hmm. this occupation, that you are a monster, right, because you did this and because I care more than you do. And it's like, also, when did people start caring? U.S. tax dollars have been murdering children all around the world for decades and generations. Seriously. <laughs> have you Seriously. been calling that out? 
Have you no. apologized to the families that your money has murdered? <laughs> right? Like I saw that Obama did a post yesterday. I thought that oh, like God. even like Gigi Hadid <laughs> like, did a statement and like all of them are very like Obama's is so much worse, so much worse than Gigi's. So but, much worse. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but it's like, okay, like Mr. Drones, like, <laughs> like no, you've been a part of violence. You've been murdering civilians all along. And also, like, again, check in with yourself. You are a settler. You are not acquitted of the violence that exists within this land, right? No, and I'm no. talking about non-Black and non-Indigenous people to native to this land, right? I'm talking about mm -hmm. everybody else. Um, and I will always struggle with this, like, for myself of, like, I'm a displaced Indigenous person, but I am a settler here. And also to add to that, I don't have anywhere to go, <laughs> right? And so I can't go to my indigenous land. So where does one go? <laughs> but right. even then, I know that I need to be showing up in a way that's not going to be assim assimilating and assembling with white supremacist settlerhood. Um, and so whenever all of those things come up and like all of these different reports, the reality is the media knows what it's doing. The media knows when it, when it puts out a narrative that people are going to hold on to, the reality is people don't care about the truth. When the truth comes out two days later and they're like, oh, we're so sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, we misspoke. They know to use that. They weaponize that against us because they know mm -hmm. that no one cares and no one's going to listen to what happens two days later. Right. We saw that with O'Shea's murder. Right. Um, yeah. For people that aren't familiar, right. O'Shea is a black queer person um, who was murdered right at a gas station. Um, and the person who murdered him said, I am Muslim. But two days later, it comes out, this was not a Muslim kid at all. This was a Christian person who weaponized that. And the amount of people that to this day do not know that second part of the story, mm -hmm. all of that is intentional. All of that is weaponization of things. These are not mistakes. These are not accidental. This is not, I don't know journalism. <laughs> this is intentional forms of violence uh, yes. and they need to be regarded as such um yeah. and so for me it's just like i honestly if you really wanted to better understand like if you're like i don't know where the truth is <laughs> i don't know who to listen to <laughs> um go to a one of the larger pro-palestine uh protests where there is a counter protest and just listen in <laughs> just yeah, listen <laughs> Listen to the other side. Listen, Listen to the shit that the Zionists are yelling. And if you walk away from that, not being pro-Palestinian, then there's something that there's a lot that you need to be working on. Yeah. <laughs> there's so yeah. much that you have to, to, to be working on. But just just listen. Just listen for a couple of minutes. Or yeah. don't even listen. Honestly, just look at newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. look at some of the media. But the thing is, most people have access to those things. They do. Again, they're not, they don't want to listen, right? They because don't. they, they want to hold on to this is what the world looks like. And right. also, again, I want to give people as much grace as possible. But also, you are so nice. I'm, I'm, I'm the nice person. <laughs> but also, at the same time, right? Of like, of you are benefiting off of this. So you are actively refusing to give up privilege right to you're so afraid of losing your privilege right because you know that everything you do have 
comes from other people's deaths. You know that. And it's the same way with black folks in this country, right? Of like white people know, mm -hmm. right? That if we got rid of anti-blackness in the United States, they know. <laughs> and so they will resist all of those narratives. Um, yeah. And so I'll give a lot of grace. And also at the same time, this is just psychologically the reality. <laughs> this is where y'all are at. <laughs> and, you know, Israel knows, too, because they actually I saw a feed on Twitter. People should look on Google. They were telling young people to delete the apps because there's a lot of information that's showing that they are mm -hmm. the agitators in this in, in this war. They are. Oh, yeah. oh, there's yeah. a lot of information. They literally sent out a memo to parents telling parents to tell their kids to delete the app. Yeah. People can look that up. That's yeah. actually what they fucking did. I mean, so you, they know they're in trouble. <laughs> they know. You, you literally cannot be not the aggressor if you're a settler colonial state. Yeah. Like you and that, and that's what I thought we understood. <laughs> that's what I thought we understood. No. What no, I no. have been seeing, <laughs> what I have been seeing this whole year, Yafa, actually, since I learned about this struggle, I mm. have been seeing the IDF mm. literally beat up Palestinian children, shoot Palestinian children, kill Palestinians unarmed throughout the whole freaking year. I have been seeing that. Pictures, videos, 24-7 of settlers themselves mm. spitting on Christians, um, attacking mm. random people in the streets. I have seen yeah. photos and, and, and pictures of that nonstop, 24-7. But the Biden administration wants to say it's unprovoked. It's unprovoked. This is the same motherfucker that's that wants to fund Ukraine. So he's he funding both wars. He wants, he wants to give weapons over here, weapons over there. What? No one's talking about peace. Nobody, nobody's talking about peace at all. They even got Bernie Sanders with the hoopla. Straight mm -hmm. up now. I mean, granted, he did vote for Yugoslavia to get bombed. I'm never going to forget that part. But they, they got him with the hoopla. <laughs> Straight up. He's a bot now. He's a shell of the man he used to be. A fucking shell. Excuse my language, YouTube. I already know you're going to take the video off because these are conversations you don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, they just bombed the third oldest church in the world. <laughs> In Gaza. Um, oh, just now? Uh, it was uh, a couple of days ago. Oh, yesterday. Wow. I don't. I, I, can't, I saw that. I can't yeah. keep track of days anymore. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what month it is. Who knows? But like these last couple of days, um, yeah. It's. I mean, in in the end of the day, it's uh, and people like to deny this, right? But um, their definitions of human are pretty messed up. They just, they don't really know what that is, right? And so when a Palestinian child is killed, um, but that's not a human, right? And and we saw that with Ukraine, right? Where the narrative was, but these are the civilized people. These are humans. Right. Um, and to be honest of like, until a person fully interrogates that, um, because all of that is subconscious at this point, right? It's all of this conditioning over lifetimes, right? Over generations. Um, but unless people have fully interrogated that within themselves and really, really moved beyond that, 
to me, I'm not here to work with you. Um, mm. There's a lot of people who will work with you. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Good for them. <laughs> um, but in terms of like the work that I do, I expect people to be there <laughs> because right. to me, I'm here to to live and build a better world, right? I'm here for utopia. I'm not here for, um, for I'm not even here for like negative peace. I'm not here for the situation to go back to how it was, right? Mm. With Palestine occupied Palestine. I'm not here mm. for any of those things. I'm here for like full on new world, full transformation. <laughs> I'm not here for the United States to continue existing in the way that it does. I'm not mm. here for capitalism to still exist. I'm not here for white supremacy to still e exist. And unfortunately, a lot of people who haven't really done that work to interrogate a lot of those things, they're here for a slightly better, right? They're here for capitalism that feels better, right? right? They're mostly here to gain privilege for themselves and their own families. Right. And and again, this isn't even white cis straight people, unfortunately, right? Yeah. This is everybody, Palestinians, yeah. right? This right. is other queer people. This is a lot right. of people, and they're here for that. And on one side, I understand that even thinking of a completely different world is really difficult for a lot of people. Yes. However, <laughs> that's because you haven't utilized those muscles. <laughs> right? You haven't worked on envisioning. And so go and do that. <laughs> right. right? Like you can't just run a marathon because one day you woke up and you're like, today I'm going to run a marathon having not trained anything. But if you want <laughs> a better world, like a real better world, like that takes time. That takes building those muscles within your mind to be able to build that. Um, and for me, I am here for the people who have done that. I'm here to actually go and build that because I don't actually think it's that hard to go and build that world. I don't think any of these conversations are complex. I don't think any of these issues are complex. I don't think any of the, con literally any of the conversations we've talked about, I don't think transphobia is complex. I don't mm -hmm. think like Islamophobia is complex. I don't think conflict between different places is complex. I don't think any of those things are complex and they, they're not. <laughs> it's not even <laughs> Jaffa thinks this, it's just, the actual factual reality is this is simple, <laughs> right? You're complicating it. It's just like transformation. It's just like a lot of white led organizations that are like, oh my God, no, we can't like stop being anti-black because it's so complex. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> it's not complex. <laughs> no, it's that. Not at all. You're the problem, Barbara. You just need to go and things will be fine. <laughs> Right. It's not complex. It's the resistance to it that's complex. And people are resisting right now. Um, right. Because they're also long like, live resistance, literally long live. It, <laughs> and there's a lot of people who, who are saying they're pro Palestinian, which is great, wonderful, but who are saying they're pro indigenous, uh, indigenous sovereignty. But what they really mean is we're pro get this away from us. <laughs> I don't want to see blood on my screens. I don't want to know about this because then my conscious can't live with this. However, right. I want this to continue because I don't want my life altered because a free Palestine alters this country drastically. Yeah. A free Armenia alters this country drastically. A free Armenia alters Palestine. Free Palestine right. alters Armenia <laughs> and so on and so forth. But they don't want that. Right. And yeah. And lots of grace to people. And also, <laughs> like, I say this not to be mean to people, <laughs> but mm -hmm. more because I'm like, 
if you acknowledge where you are, you can move forward. Right. But being like, oh, no, I'm not conditioned into any of this. I'm not scared of losing privilege. No, you are. Yes. <laughs> you literally are. Yes. You can't yes. not be. <laughs> yes. It's not even you. You're not unique. <laughs> you know, people call me crazy for saying exactly what you're saying. I literally say that, and people look at me with four fucking heads. They're like, so you don't want to live comfortable? Not at the cost of oppression. And I'm not going to sit here and shut up about it. I'm going to keep talking about it. And, and I don't care if I lose my job or anything. I'll find another freaking job. I mm -hmm. will be fine. But I'm not going to be a sheep. I refuse to be a sheep. Because people are overseas losing their lives, fighting, putting everything on the, on, on the line just for their survival, just for their existence. And I'm over here. I got the nerve to be like, oh, let me shut up so I could keep my job. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I can't do that. I mean, you saw the you heard about the uh the threats and stuff <laughs> when I was employed by you. <laughs> you know, piss people off. <laughs> All the good times. That was fun. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't mean to bring that up because I, I I should keep that away. But it makes me feel petty. That's why. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just it's constant for most of us doing this work in the way that we right. show up in, right? right. And yeah, <laughs> it just it's a very real thing. But like back to the comfort piece, I yes, this is the other thing that I wish people here understood, and I think this is part of like American like. So, so, superiority, imperialism, all the things, all the things. Um, all the it's like, like they ask you, are you willing to give up your comfort? And it's like, Barbara, are you comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have a six bedroom house that's worth $2 million. And yes, you make $300,000 a year. And yes, you drive a fancy ass car. And yes, you get to go on vacation by basically colonizing more countries. <laughs> Right. Yes, you have those things. But Barbara, you hate yourself. You hate your family. You hate everyone around you. You hate your children. Where's comfort? <laughs> like money is not comfort. But they, they've sold that idea to themselves of like, because I can travel to black and brown people's places and I can look at culture from the outside in, right? And then I can steal that culture. And because I can go and move anywhere and gentrify more neighborhoods and kick out black folks from their housing. And because I can go and be a settler somewhere else and devastate more indigenous communities, that is comfort. Yes. None of that is comfort. You can't actually live comfortable, right, with yourself and with the universe. I'm talking about that comfort. I'm not talking about right. first class comfort, right? right? I'm talking about comfort within yourself. I have yet to actually see a person who's actually comfortable within themselves actually ask that question. Mm. Because most of these people are not comfortable with themselves. But they're terrified of looking at their lives and changing anything within it because they are taught within capitalism, right, that they will lose everything and they will be the people that they are marginalizing, right? And that 
is what they think is comfortable. They think comfortable is that I am marginalizing people without knowing it or with knowing it. That is comfort. Comfort is not actually comfort in our day-to-day lives because the reality is the most marginalized of the most marginalized are the ones who are the most comfortable people of all. Um, I literally just finished writing a book that um, we'll see when it comes out at some point. Oh, you got it a book. Awesome. <laughs> I've, written like, like, I've written like eight books this past year because I finally have time and space to write. <laughs> awesome. Um, but now I need to deal with publishing stuff. But it's literally about living utopia today versus waiting for utopia to happen. And the reality is the most marginalized of the, of the most marginalized, we will build our lives for that. Mm. It's not because we have a lot of money. It's not because we're all making $200,000 a year. It's not because our kids have access to medical care and systems. It's not because I can go to any doctor I want and actually have healthcare and shit like that. We don't get those things, <laughs> but it's because we know how to develop relationships. We know how to be within ourselves. Right. And the greatest loss that I think, honestly, for me with like, and I'll just use Palestine as an example. For me, the greatest loss of Palestine is not the loss of land. It's not even the loss of being so separated from where I was supposed to be, right? Being a displaced indigenous person, having never been to where I'm from, right? Having lost to stories and all of those things. But the thing that I think for me, most Palestinians are robbed of is that comfort within themselves, within everywhere that we are, which is something that we've always known. We've known how to be with the land. We've known how to be with the universe. We've known how to be with other people within our communities in really helpful and beautiful ways. We've known how to be not, uh, how to be not, wait, how to be, yeah, not (laughs) anti-Black. Right. We've known how to be not ableist. We've known how to be not transphobic. We've known how to be not queerphobic. And those things are not an everyday reality for most Palestinians anymore. That is what settler colonialism has robbed us of. They've robbed us of living, of being able to enjoy every moment and actually do the things that we absolutely want to be doing in the world that we want to be living in. Um, And I wholeheartedly believe that we get to live that today. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying like capitalism is just going to be like, yeah, you, you go girl, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's make sure your, your bills are paid. Like, yes, do what feeds your soul. I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm also saying that it's possible though. Yeah. I'm saying that like we can be living that version of our lives today, right? Despite all of these things, because the reality is that Settler colonialism, all these systems don't want us to know is that they are nothing compared to us. Mm. They will try to destroy us. They will deport us. They will kill us. They will do all of these things. And yet, guess what? It will not do anything because we're not just a body. We're not just a mind. We're not just a single person. We're literally movements. We're literally like humanity, right? Which is something they don't understand and they can't connect to. But we are everlasting, like until all humans are dead. (laughs) We're we're here, right? Like you can murder me today. That's fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like it. So what? (laughs) Yeah. It's so much more than us. And we could literally like live that today. And I want more of our people to know that. Mm -hmm. And more of us to support each other in doing that. Um, I love. um, Oh, sorry. I apologize. (laughs) I was going to say, like, like, uh, Fred Hampton definitely said it 
best you could kill the revolutionary, but you can't kill the revolution. You can't. Like, you could, like, they could literally go and completely destroy all of Gaza. They could wipe out the very small open air prison that they've stuck 2 million people in. They could literally wipe out all 2 million. And guess what? We're still here. <laughs> like, we will still show up next year. We will still show up tomorrow. We'll still show up in 10 years, in 20, until all people are free. Unless you literally kill all of us. But even then, they'll realize they have nothing left. And they will turn against each other. And then they will fight for us. <laughs> until, like, everyone's wiped out. <laughs> yeah. We're not going yeah. anywhere. You can murder me. I'm that, like, I'm literally cool with that. Do what you will. Like, I'm not scared. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are that's that's such a that's such a very strong statement to for people to understand because, like, it, people are so I I forgot how dense um, people are on this subject, and I use the term dense. I'm sorry, but I have to use the term dense because um, I'm like. Literally, I've seen half of you that I'm looking on social media like last month and months before free Palestine. And now you're I don't I don't condemn violence. I don't condone violence and all this stuff. It's, it, it's like, why? Why? When the when black and brown people fight back, we are seen as it's like it's like what Malcolm X said. They try to call you violent when you're defending yourself from the KKK. Like <laughs> it's just. I'm violent because I'm defending myself from my oppressor. I'm violent. Me. Yeah. Is my oppressor violent when they put acts of aggression on me? Yeah. Is my oppressor violent when they tax me and put me into bondage? Is is my oppressor being violent? You just have to talk to them. You got to come to a deal. I need to talk to my oppressor. You want me to talk to the person that hated me for 400 years? You want to sit at the table with me? I'll sound like Michael <laughs> literally it's literally what this muslim brother was trying to explain to people mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> exactly and i mean uh, like i've been so i love um i don't know if i was like doing this when we were working together years and years ago but nowadays i'm very into etymology of words of like literally mm -hmm. breaking apart language and like to because I get really frustrated when people hijack language, right? All language is not safe. So it's it's a way that colonization happens. They steal language, right? right? So like the word equity means nothing anymore, right? Like because they will colonize it. They will colonize right. every single word that we have. And so instead of redefining things, I actually just go back to their original definitions of where things come from. Um, and for me, things like violence and terrorism are always really interesting because there's a lot of, and, and we're seeing this right now, right? Of like, there's a lot of kind of trying to create a counter narrative of like, this isn't terrorism, right? And it's kind of really interesting for me because, and this is definitely going to get removed from YouTube. However, <laughs> so so it's interesting when people say that of like, this is not terrorism, right? Like, right. Of like resisting state sanctioned bullshit is not terrorism. Um, right, like standing up for your rights is not terrorism and rights, whatever that means, right? Like standing up for indigenous sovereignty is not terrorism. But in reality, anything that goes against systems of oppression is terrorism. Mm. Like 
that is literally the definition of it, right? But we, but there are so many pushes to really redefine that and be like, no, like white nationalist terrorists exist. And it's like, no, no, they can't exist because everything that they're doing is for systemic oppression. It's not to go against it. And so any violence that is through the state, that is through systems of oppression can never be actual violence. It can never actually be terrorism. It can never be those things, but anything that we do, right? Like, and I feel like Palestinians know this like really, really well, because the reason we were branded terrorists was at a time when we were throwing rocks because that was all we had, yeah. right? And that became a symbol right. of resistance, but that made children into terrorists. And the truth is based on definitions, that's actually accurate. Because that child is trying to overthrow a system of oppression. They're trying to overthrow a settler colonial state, which to that state, who is the only one that is able to actually define these words, right? It's only from these states. It's only from these institutions that these definitions come from. It's obviously going to be terrorism. <laughs> like literally a Palestinian child or any indigenous child, the moment they are born, not even the moment they're born, the moment they're conceived, <laughs> they are a terrorist threat right because that child can go and resist that system just by existing it's not about the rocks it's not about any rocket launches it's not about any of those things it's our existence that makes us terrorists to these states and i wish more people really thought of it that way but also at the same time if you go around being like yeah actually like i I would be considered a terrorist if we're defining it that way. You'll get booted mm -hmm. off of every single social media platform. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. <laughs> You'll get booted off of everything, but that's state violence, right. right? That's that gaslighting that's happening. And so people are fighting and going back and forth being like, no, this isn't terrorism and this is terrorism. And it's like, you don't get to define that. You as the oppressed class of the class of people, you're not the one defining this. We don't get to go and be like, actually, it's white supremacists who are terrorists because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. <laughs> because right. we're not the ones who created consequences to what is considered terrorism. Nope. Right? We're not the ones who created those forms of violence. Right. And so, and I, so I wish more people would move a little bit away from that because it's just moving us in the circle of like terrorist, no terrorist, terrorist, not terrorist, terrorist. <laughs> and it's like, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is this needs to go. <laughs> right. This, this whole shit needs to end. Needs to go. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's very, very, that's very, very um, plainly best way to explain that because you know, I try to like take that term away, like extinguish it from talking about things when I talk about politics, because it's really just it's a it's a slur at this point. And mm. and it's it's nothing but a slur. That's what it has become. Um, and and I don't want to be a part of using slurs like that. I mean, I say the N word all the time and I know I shouldn't say the N word. I really do. But that's the only slur people that. <laughs> I gotta learn to unsay. Getting older, I'm thinking like I don't really need to be saying that as much. <laughs> uh, but like it, it, it really is just negative. It brings negativity. It just it brings it 
uh, abruptly and it changes your mood it changes mm. the what you the way you think at the moment it, it reprograms you for a second because you're just it's such a very polarizing term okay. um it's, it's scary it's, it really is scary oh my god we have been see every time i get you on we always go over time that, that's it. awesome that's it. awesome though yeah. <laughs> push back for just a second on that yes yes so the the problem with with the label terrorism is that it has mm -hmm. very drastic legal consequences within states right mm -hmm. across the world throwing that world that's that word at someone has disastrous consequences to everything everything if you remove those disastrous consequences though honestly it would be a point of pride so to know that a settler state is terrified of you the moment you are born, I'm like, yeah, they know what's up. Mm. Right? Mm. Versus, I get exactly what you're saying now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Versus <laughs> the opposite, right? And so like right. a lot of words like that that are used against us that are weaponized. And I feel like queer is the same way right mm -hmm. queer was used against us right and yes, the was, reason yes. it was so harmful was because there were legal consequences to it there right. were dr drastic consequences and to this day for some groups there are immediate consequences to it um but without those legal consequences you're you're able to actually fully claim it and recognize of like I, and it doesn't matter what word you use you use whatever words you that you want but I would love for every non-white cis straight person listening to this or not mm -hmm. listening to this to wholeheartedly recognize of that, the amount of power that they carry is so terrifying to all of these systems. Like literally the moment you're born, you don't have to accomplish anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to show up to protests. You don't have to write books. You don't have to create movements you don't have to do anything literally they're terrified of us the moment we are born and to just reflect on that for just a minute right of like if they are that terrified and they have the largest military in the world and fund the other largest militaries in the world basically fund everything wrong everywhere mm -hmm. right they they find multiple sides of the same conflicts in central africa right like they're like ridiculous but that's terrified of us that's terrified of me not even us it's not even terrified of us as a collective as an entire group literally terrified of just me as one person and to me yeah. like i can never look at myself as not a powerful being <laughs> i'm like i love that consider the most powerful is terrified of me <laughs> right and you as like a single white person threatening me with violence, you want me to be scared of you? <laughs> mm. Mm. And that's right. why we use the term rest in power to all our martyrs. That's the reason why we do. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's while we're alive too. <laughs> right. I have so much peace because I recognize that. Because I'm like, what are you going to do? Murder me? That's your power. You get to kill a body. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> that, is, yeah, for, <laughs> that is so deep, man. That is so deep. Yeah, for, oh my God. <laughs> like I'm eternally getting it right now. I, I feel like I was getting it earlier, but now I'm like eternally like getting it. I'm like, I like Jesus, <laughs> you know, it's like you lost because you, you made us powerful and you made us powerful because you hate us. 
because you don't understand us don't want to understand us oh and we've always been powerful they didn't make us powerful they don't mm. have that kind of power to give to us or to take away from us we've mm. always been powerful we've always been everything that we are and that's mm. why they've been literally for hundreds of years just trying to destroy that mm -hmm. because they looked at us and they were like we're so envious of what you have we want it and mm -hmm. they thought stealing our resources, our material things, our books, our spices, right? Yeah. Stones, our oil, whatever it is, they thought that's what gave us power. And for hundreds of years, they've been searching and searching, and they're still not getting it. Because again, mm -hmm. they're not living comfortably no. with themselves. And you know, the Anglo-Saxons don't even have a cuisine. What, what cuisine is famous besides fish and chips in the UK? Everything is stolen. All the all the ethnic food, even the tea, even the tea. Which <laughs> is more Irish, so they stole it from Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, they don't even have fish and chips. <laughs> like fish and chips, shepherd's pie, all of those are like Irish, and they stole Irish food and then like literally got rid of 4 million Irish people through their organized famine. Right. Mm. And then we're like, yeah, we did this. We invented shepherd's pie and fish and chips and food. We made food yeah. happen. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I got to get you back on. I got to get you back on. I got to go. <laughs> There's so much stuff I got to do. I'm looking at the, the well, sun well, going down. <laughs> Also, see how many platforms were blocked off of after this. Yeah. Oh, this is definitely not going. YouTube is definitely not going to allow this. YouTube is probably going to ban this. Um, okay, when it does, just send me a screenshot because I like feeling validated by that. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm still scared. Yeah, I mean, like YouTube literally gets rid of like almost every other episode that I drop. <laughs> like it's kind of bad. Um, they've been very soft on me lately, but after mm -hmm. this, they're not going to be soft. This is gonna, You're welcome. This is going to put me back on the radar. Yeah. Um, because I remember I even had a Green Party guy on, and he was just talking about how the Democrats literally, like, blocked their ballot access. Like, literally, mm -hmm. corruption, 24-7. And they removed it. And I'm just like, but this is factually true. It's been covered. Like, <laughs> even stuff like that. Like, even I'm just like, dude, are you freaking serious? Like, whatever. <laughs> well, listen. Oh God. Next time, next time, maybe I could go out to where you are and stuff like that because get the in-person in interview going. I think that would be dope. That's that's the next move, everybody. Waiting on the funding and everything. It's coming. The funding's coming. I already have a fiscal fiscal sponsorship. I'm just waiting on the funding, people. <laughs> you know. So, um, is it any last words? Um, any last words that you would like to give before we close out? I love always doing that. Give us, give us some final advice. You speak all over the place. You've been in nine different countries. You know, give us some wisdom, real quick. <laughs> After all the wisdom you already gave, give us some last final wisdom before we close out. <laughs> You're, you're definitely putting me on the spot. Um, but I put you on the spot because you're one of the best people in the fucking world. <laughs> I do. I have so much more wisdom. It's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Um, so the, the, the final thing I will share, and I, I kind of shared this on TikTok yesterday, is mm-hmm. a lot of people are definitely not okay right now with everything that's going on. And I'm not just talking about people in Gaza, in the West Bank, right, in Armenia, right, in like in actual war zones. I'm not talking about uh, about those people, right? Those people are also definitely not okay. But I'm talking about everybody else, everyone in the diaspora, everyone that lives in settler colonial states, right, who is not a white cis straight person, right, who's anti everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm talking about all of us. We're not doing okay. And oftentimes within like Western medicine, that's seen as like, ooh, oh no, like you're going to be depressed. You're going to be anxious. Like you need medication. You need therapy immediately. We need to address this. Mm -hmm. And my healing justice frameworks are very much like, no, actually, like you're not supposed to be okay right now. If this is really heavy, that's wonderful. It's not supposed to not be heavy. It's not supposed to be this really light thing. This past weekend, everything that happened in the over the weekend is not supposed to just be like, okay, it's a Tuesday as always. <laughs> like we're good to go. Or a Wednesday. I don't know what day it is. We're we're not supposed to be okay. And that's the healthy response to these things. It's the healthy response when cops go and murder another black person, right? When they murder another trans person, right? When indigenous people are violated here, right? And and they're they're attacked in different ways. We're not supposed to be okay when those things happen. If we were okay with them, then we've become desensitized and that means we're not letting things in and we're not actually processing anything. And I learned a lot of that both from like indigenous Palestinian culture of like how we're meant to honor emotions as they are. You're supposed to be in the emotions. We don't run away from our emotions. They just are. They're not here to destroy us. They're not here to work against us. They're here to service us, to be with us, to move us in whatever directions we're going. Um, And then I also learned it from more like Ayurvedic and ancient like uh, ancestral Chinese medicine practices. Um, And I'll always remember like, uh, the person I learned a lot of like the Ayurveda practices that I know from, um, he was sharing a story where um, where he was like, a parent called me and this dad was like frantic and was like, oh my God, my child is falling apart. Everything is the end of the world. He keeps crying. It like, it won't get out of bed, refuses to go to school. It, and the person's like, why? And he's like, I don't know. I don't understand it. He broke up with his girlfriend two days ago, but like, it just, it doesn't make sense. And the teacher was like, the person I learned this from was like, what's wrong? What's the problem? <laughs> like, why is that wrong? Like, that's the adequate response. That's what heartbreak looks like when you're 17 or when you're 50 and 60 and 70. That's the adequate response. That's okay. That's beautiful. And so not getting out of bed, not showering for a week, not talking to people, not feeling motivated to do more and more and more, all of the things that we would view as like, ooh, depression, stay away from that. You need medication. You need to get your shit together. No, those are adequate responses. Those are the healthy responses to our lives, to our mm-hmm. body minds, to everything that we are. And so like for everyone out there, y'all are doing great. <laughs> We're doing <laughs> amazing by not being okay in this moment in time Mm. right Mm. and not doing okay doesn't mean that we don't have joy in other ways this has been such a joyful experience this has been beautiful am i okay outside of it am i okay within it i'm not okay (laughs) right as a person today on a tuesday wednesday whatever day it is i literally don't even know what day it is (laughs) 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 right because i'm not okay with everything that just happened 
it is heavy on me. It is sitting with me. I am sitting within it and that's healthy and beautiful. And Mm -hmm. that's where I not only should be, but that's where I want to be also. And then I work through it and I use it for transformation and move forward when my body, mind, and my spirit and everything is ready for that. But for the time being, I'm wonderful. And I'm also absolutely not okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that's great. (laughs) Yeah, I I saw that on TikTok too. And I was like, wow, this is a really good content. Um, I'm going to make sure that people check out your TikTok. You have a a link tree actually. So I'm just going to send the link tree right into the uh, details. Um, Yafa, I want to thank you so much for coming on um, to, to the show. You was one of my first guests when I first started out. I'm so happy that like three years later, um, still at it. Can't believe it's been that long. So crazy. Totally different feel and moving forward. And I want to wish you the best and I'm going to talk to you later anyway. So I'm not going to say, see, until I see you again, I'm like, I'm going to talk to you later anyway, but yeah, I <laughs> the absolute best um with everything that you're doing and helping so many people um and we need so many like i like i told dr dr david we need so many more people out there like you so many so many because this is what real change can bring and how real change could work so thank you so much for taking your time out and talking to little old me and I want to say have a very good day and to everyone in the in the chat, everybody that I saw uh, on live. Thank you so much for viewing in. If you peeked in and stuff, everybody in the chat, especially uh, got a little crazy here in the chat, too, with some statements. But hey, <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for everybody in the chat for to, for being involved as well, too. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Um, and follow as well too if there's a subscribe or a follow and i want everyone to have a very beautiful day and we are out blank period yeah i'm a black brown and indigenous gotta holla if you're really feeling this gotta holla if you're really real enough other rappers is delirious yeah it's really that serious better holla if you're really feeling me i gotta keep it a hundred hey if you don't like it then fuck it hey we gonna win in the end, yeah, we gonna live in abundance Ooh, I gotta keep it a hundred, ay If you don't like it, then fuck it, ay We gonna win in the end, yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna I gotta keep it a hundred We gotta stop all the stunting You know we coming from nothing Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing We gotta do something different We gotta change how we living We gotta do better for women We gotta do better for children we gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling?